0: This is your good friend Dane on another wonderful, enticing, uh, practical, yeah, sure one episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Uh, Happening usually every Wednesday at seven o'clock. Uh, due to everyone helping me out, so I can do some stuff tomorrow afternoon. It's tonight, so we're gonna have a great episode. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. You know, we're gonna talk TLC, uh, a little bit of Invasion. You know, Survivor Series. All good stuff, but before we get into any of that, I would like to introduce my cohort, my co-host, the wonderful Mr. Christopher Ray Patton. How are you doing, buddy? Good,
1: man. I got no complaints. It's been a busy week, but I'm uh, excited to talk about some wrestling. So, uh, how about you, man? How's your week been?
0: Uh, you know, uh, you win some, you lose your head uh, several times, but you get it back and you put it back <laughs> on your neck and fucking twist that shit on and just do your thing. That's all you can do. But, yeah, it's, it hasn't been too bad. I'm just uh, being over Uh, You know me. But, anyways, Chris, why don't we talk about some uh, some wrestling? Let's go into the uh, pay-per-view that happened. Sound good? Sounds, sounds good. All right. WWE uh, ETLC was Sunday night. Uh, so we should go into this and just state, uh, start off the fact that, This pay-per-view was supposed to be completely different. Um, We'll get into the sicknesses, but um, basically, meningitis, or maybe the mumps, we haven't really been confirmed one way or the other, Uh, it's been rumored for both, uh, has taken um, Bray Wyatt, Bo Dallas, uh, out of action, and we knew that Bo Dallas was out from that uh, back when, you know, they made mention about him on SmackDown with The Miz, And they said, you know, this is for Bo Dallas, Hope you get uh, Betty ready, hope you get better, buddy. God, man, I can't say anything anymore. Anyways, it's going to be a long night. But um, so Bo Dallas had it. That was mentioned then. Something was at least uh, wrong with him to have him out for a little while. Uh, We found out that brace soon after the whole sister... Whatever the hell that was, Sister Abigail reveal. Uh, Bray was out of action too, and then we unfortunately found out uh, Roman Sh- or Ron, or Ron Stroman. What is wrong with me tonight? Roman Reigns uh, also uh, had it. So basically, Roman and Bray are both out of commission, and uh, Bray Wyatt's match against Finn Balor was jeopardized, and Roman Reigns, who's going to come out with the shield and probably help him out a lot more with. Uh, you know, I think a very positive uh, at least for him uh, face run uh, instead, we're gonna have someone else with the shield. So what ended up happening is Kurt Angle said, which means probably that Kurt Angle was going to be wrestling at some point soon, in the near future, uh, he was going to wrestle in place with the shield against the five combatants they went against on TLC, which we all talk about obviously, and uh, we had. Now, instead of a horrible match, we had a last-minute put-together match with the two leaders of the Bullet Club, Kenny Omega being the third, but AJ Styles versus Finn Balor as the demon, a dream match for many. So we'll first talk about that, uh, Chris. When you found out about uh, the hiccup, if you will, uh, you know the, the, the illness getting to these guys and it, it causing them to be out of commission, um, How would you feel initially, especially when you found out what was going to be in place of it? Well, right off the
1: bat, I, I felt really bad for Roman Reigns and The Shield because I thought this was an opportunity for them to all get pretty big shine and then build into Survivor Series with something that could be pretty neat. Um, and also, of course, you just don't want to hear about anyone getting meningitis. Meningitis, in general, is just not a very pleasant virus to uh Catch uh, it also made me worried about the rest of the locker room and if that's still going to get passed around or if there's going to be more wrestlers that end up catching this. And uh, as I talked about on the page, it kind of reminded me of the situation in the NHL either last year or the year before with the mumps, where it seemed like players ended up getting the mumps at some point during the year. Um, so it's it's a it was a weird situation, but it did uh, increase. Uh, as far as my want to watch the pay-per-view, just to see what they were going to come up up with and how they were going to play it off. And, uh, of course, AJ Styles versus Ben Balor uh, is an exciting prospect. Anytime you hear that those two are going to be in a match together, it's something to get really excited about. So um, it made me want to watch the pay-per-view more for some reasons, and it also made me a a little sad for other wrestlers, and, uh, well, mainly Roman Reigns and the situation that he's kind of in right now which sucks. And then Bray Wyatt as well. I kind of wanted to see what, where they were going to take that storyline, even though I haven't been huge on the matches him and Finn Balor have had together recently. I did kind of either want to see it get put to an end or see where they were going to go with it. Uh, and they're probably going to be out of action for, I, I would think for at least a couple of weeks. So it's going to be interesting to see, uh, see how they come back from this and how the story kind of gets built around it. But it, it did make me personally more excited for the pay-per-view simply because of Finn Balor versus uh, AJ Styles. And then the uh, return to the ring of Kurt Angle, which we've been waiting for, for a while. Um, we kind of knew what was going to happen. We just didn't know when. So I, I was kind of assuming maybe survivor series would be a good place for him to come back or, uh, uh, to build him up to like WrestleMania or Royal rumble or something down the line. Um, but it, it's kind of it was it it definitely made me more excited for the pay per view because I, I thought the card overall was kind of lackluster, other than Asuka debuting. Um, but yeah, I mean, how did you feel about it?
0: Um, the changes, I mean, the changes were good uh, in certain aspects, like you covered. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, but due to what happened, I do agree with you. I'd like an ending of the whole entire thing, and I do obviously feel bad for Bray because I think that he's taken a couple of shovel hits in the face uh, since winning the pelt, which doesn't make any sense whatsoever, but uh, his character is completely depleted. But I'm sure Finn Balor was saying to himself, I'm so glad I don't have to fight Bray in Drag tonight because that storyline's just, you know, and and we have to get something back from it. I mean, they don't have to, but you you feel like that's got to come back. But I mean, Finn from here seems like he's getting set up, to go against Brock Lesnar. Now we'll get to the Kane stuff when we go over raw. Um, but that withstanding, that really seems like that's, that's, that's what they're doing. They're building it for something for, for Braun to go through, basically, uh, have a program with, uh, hopefully give him a good showing, but, uh, inevitably have him lose to the beast, uh, before probably rumble is what I'm assuming. Um, but I, I like the change with that. The last one, I gotta admit, um, If you ask me, would I have rather seen the five of them go against Shield or have Kurt Angle put in the mix instead of Roman Reigns? No, I actually would have rather Shield. Um, I think this does really suck for Roman. I think that, personally, he was getting uh, a very positive reaction from the crowd uh, following his matches with John Cena. And I think they kind of started, you know, getting on his side a little bit more in a positive direction. Uh, towards the end, when he was trying to bring his A game, uh, at least for Roman Reigns' sake as an A game, um, with the uh, you know the banter back and forth with Cena, so I thought this was going to really help him. I, I was really looking forward to seeing the three of them fight alongside each other. And Kurt Angle, this means obviously to me, at least, that. It was Survivor Series when they were going to have Kurt Angle back because I think this invasion stuff was going to happen regardless. So it was going to be Kurt Angle and four other competitors versus Shane McMahon and four other competitors. That's what it looks like at least to me. So he was going to come back. Uh, everyone, there there is a, a rumor going around about Triple H at WrestleMania eventually, but Kurt Angle wasn't able to display that much of you know what Kurt Angle's known for. He kind of had to play it safe. And it did tone down the TLC in a good way, I think. Uh, a little bit of it was wonky, but we'll get to that. Kind of turned uh, a little WCW-ish uh, with trash compactors towards the end. Uh, but it was it was a, it actually displayed a really good TLC without having to rely too much on high flying and putting guys at risk too much, is what I mean. I know that people obviously jumped off of ladders and shit, but you know, just a, a, a very very much more uh, tamed TLC, which was still entertaining. But um, yeah. That's uh, mainly how I felt. Chris, did you have a follow-up you want to say to that? Uh,
1: I mean, I think you pretty much covered it. I, I kind of felt the same way. I, I'm i excited for any match with Kurt Angle just because I love Kurt Angle so much. And it was uh, he definitely didn't get to show off too much of his in-ring ability. Um, but also, you know, that kind of just lends itself to that type of match. He did get a hit, his little, yeah. uh, you know, his tri- triple German and a couple of Kurt Engel pipe spots, um, and they did play that match very safe, but I think that they're going to have to do that for a little bit going forward until they can get their roster back in order um, with some of the injuries that they've had and some of the walkouts that they've had recently and, and a few other things of that nature. So it, it kind of made sense from that standpoint as far as make it as safe as possible, but make it, you know, good. And uh, overall, you know, I thought it was a decent match. We'll talk about it more, but I I, I pretty much agree with everything you said. Um, and I, as much as I am still not a huge fan of Roman being back with a shield, I still think there's cool ways to break the shield up or do other things that come out of it and give Roman some cool feuds. Um, and I do think that it, it kind of gave him a little bit but more of a rub than I thought it was going to, so... Uh, It it was a little disappointing that he got sick. And and once again, you just don't wish, you know, that kind of virus on anyone. It's it's a terrible thing.
0: Absolutely. So let's uh, hope that, you know, everyone that's affected by it uh, gets healthy, uh, including Samoa Joe, who should apparently be returning soon. But we'll get to that uh, a little bit later. We keep on saying we'll get to that. It's like a little preview or something like that, you know. But anyways, (laughs) uh, let's get to the first. Match on the TLC card. This one was actually not on the uh, the actual pay-per-view, but the uh, pre-show kickoff match. Sasha Banks defeated. Alicia Fox. Banks won by submission with the Banks statement. Um, I thought it wasn't a bad match. Um, I think both ladies are excellent in the ring, especially Sasha Banks. And I'm really liking how Alicia Fox is taking her gimmick now up. Instead of just being annoying, it's like she's literally batshit crazy. Like she's Like, you know, going overboard, and I think it's actually working out for her. Um, But, uh, yeah, I I, kind of feel bad for Sasha. I feel I I think that she is someone that certain wrestlers are are kind of getting agitated with WWE and creative with it. She's definitely someone that's included in there, and she's definitely someone that would be a huge loss if for some reason she were to be like, "Um, I need to take a break. Just even a break would be bad. But, um, yeah, how did you feel about this match, Chris?
1: I thought it was fine. It kind of came off as a TV match that was kind of just thrown on the pre-show. Like maybe they had something there beforehand and they had to shuffle some things around. It was good for her to get like pretty much a clear, clear win uh, over Alicia Fox. But overall, I think you're, you definitely hit the nail on the head. It's, it's not, it's kind of a waste of Sasha and, right now with that women's roster and kind of where it's at, they don't have much more for her to do until they can get Oscar back in the mix. And, um, hopefully Bailey comes back from injury soon and they can start looking at whatever they're going to do for the females in survivor series, which I know they're going to do a, uh, they're talking about doing a champion versus champ, women's champion versus women champion match. But I, I, I think it would be cool if they did like a survivor series female match. So I hope they go that route. Um, overall, I thought the match was fine, but it it didn't, you know, it wasn't anything crazy. It wasn't um, a five star match or anything, but it, it was serviceable. And it, once again, it's on the pre show so they don't give them much time to work. and, and Sasha looks good in it. Uh, the crowd seemed like they were pretty into her. Um, I do hope that she's not in a spot where she feels frustrated, because uh, she, to me, she's the best women's wrestler on Raw right now, maybe with the exception of Asuka. Um, and of course, we haven't really seen Oscar uh, full tilt yet in RAW, which will be great. Oscar uh, versus Sasha again is going to be uh, fun,
0: fun stuff. So I agree. And um, from what I remember from RAW last night, there are two uh, elimination match: one men's and one women's. Uh, so it'll be five and five, a men's one and a women's one. So I think that is actually happening. That is uh, confirmed. But um, speaking about women's uh, matches, we'll go to the first match on the card. Um, Asuka made her debut. Uh, she defeated Emma. This was a hard-fought match, actually. Um, but eventually Asuka came back. She got a little pit bull fire, uh, got right into, you know, Emma's face and started, you know, going head-to-head with her. And finally kicked her in the head and got the Oscar lock on. Uh, ended up winning the match. I didn't necessarily have as much of a problem as some people are doing. Uh, it's not that they're saying the match is bad, per se. It's just the fact of how they displayed Oscar in it, storyline-wise. But based on the fact that I think these ladies have already matched up before uh, in NXT and had some pretty decent matches, uh, do you have a problem, Chris, with the fact that she won, but it was not an easy match, just like her match on Raw?
1: I thought it was a decent match. I could see where people would be a little off-put um, by the fact that Asuka didn't just dominate the match. And that just comes from just poor booking on Emma's... You know, they booked they booked Emma pretty poorly since she's came back from the whole Emma Lina angle. Um, she hasn't really done a whole lot. So when you see Asuka, who has pretty much demolished everyone for an entire year on NXT having a hard time beating Emma, it does... I could see how that would throw some fans off and kind of make some people angry, but I thought the match was fine. Um, I thought the beginning of the match had a couple of little spots that were, were messy, but then again, Oscar has been out of action for two or three months and then uh, Emma hasn't really wrestled much either. So once they seemed like they got uh, into the swing of things, the match got pretty, pretty good uh, all around. I mean, I don't have as many complaints as other people do. Asuka is going... Asuka matches are kind of always like that. She's going to give the other person off it. She did that in NXT as well. It's just NXT does a better job of building building their women's division up with a little bit more... Uh, where it seems like more people are a threat uh, as opposed to... like. It, and it's nothing about Emma's in-ring ability. It's just how she's been booked in storyline. So I think a lot of people just wanted to see Asuka absolutely dominate. But crowd seems super into Asuka. They put on a good match. The crowd was into the match. I don't think there's much more you can ask for. And there's always ways to make Asuka look strong again. Like if she continues her undefeated streak, it doesn't matter if she's losing in the middle of the match makes a comeback or not. Is if she keeps winning and winning clean, then, you know, that's all that's gonna matter. It's just if she's if they start booking her fifty fifty on Raw or something and she's taking dumb losses or people are walking out of the match against her or stuff like that. I would be more frustrated with that than the way this match was, this match actually played out.
0: I agree with you. I, I think that, you know, uh, given the fact that this was her first display basically in front of the crowd, I think they wanted her to kind of show a little bit of her performance skills. And, you know, I think that Emma is a good person. I think you're right about them having to like, you know, not initially having chemistry uh, because both of their, uh, you know, one bulking out for whatever reason. But Emma's a good person to work off of, to have a good match with. Uh, it looks like, at least. I don't really know her that uh, in-depth, as I'm saying. But with with Asuka, at least, it looked like she was able to bounce off of her. She did a lot of her, her normal traits. I get what people are saying. Like, she could have been a little bit more fierce towards the beginning. But I fe- I feel like at that point, you're just nitpicking the shit out of it. And people that, like, analyze, like, super analyze professional wrestling like that, they kind of just bug the shit out of me because, like, a lot of times they end up complaining more so than anything. But it's like, so what's the point of you covering wrestlings because you have a podcast? I don't know. I'm not trying to take shots at anyone out there, but it just dawns on me sometimes that at least I'm enjoying what I'm watching. You know what I'm saying, Chris, before I move on?
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and- – I, like i said i I see it from the other perspective as well, but it's it's to me it's it's one match it's her first match back, and also, I think they were gonna do more in the beginning and it, like i said they it got a little messy at the beginning, and I think they just slowed things down um It's kind of how I saw the match uh there's a couple little spots uh where Asuka and her just didn't connect on moves and it was a little sloppy at the beginning of the match. So I mean for all we know it could have been Asuka was going to dominate the first three minutes of the match and they had to call an audible because they messed up a couple spots. But I, I wouldn't read too much into it. They're gonna make Asuka look strong. They have big plans for Asuka. It's not it's not going it's not like she's gonna to lose to Emma, you know, next week or something. I wouldn't worry too much about it. No,
0: they're they're gonna make Nia Jax happy and uh, let her squash Oscar, And that's what they're going to do. Um, no, I'm just kidding. If <laughs> they do that. <laughs> oh, shit. Then I'll join all of you guys that complain too much. I promise. All right, let's get to the next match. Um, this match was actually a lot of fun. Um, Cedric Alexander and Rick Swan defeated the Brian Kendrick and Jack Gallagher. Uh, Alexander pinned Kendrick after Lombard check. The match was sequenced really well, just like most Cruiserweight matches. But I think that what I'm happy about this Is because these guys always put on good matches, but no one really cares to watch. And even if it's unfortunate, if it's because of Enzo, because of Enzo, the crowd was getting into this match. People were getting cheers. I have watched cruiserweight matches on pay-per-views and and the normal events as well, where no one cares. You know, it's just like kind of they're doing the exact same thing they did with this match. There's no differences. Uh, you know, not that much story that you know about I mean, obviously, I know about the Brian Kendrick having problems with Cedric Alexander um, And Jack Gallagher Also having problems with them. But a lot of people don't And people are invested and they're watching And I'm happy for the wrestlers of the Cruiserweight division That if Enzo's bringing attention In any way like that Or maybe even uh, Kalisto Because of his Lucha Lucha thing ha- have that connection with the kids Then that's good uh, Keep it up uh, because I want this division to strive, and I want to see these guys be able to put on good matches and get good reactions and get more uh, more well-known. I want 205 Live to get watched more. So may- maybe I'm getting a little preachy. I don't know, Chris. But uh, I enjoyed the match. I don't think it was anything fantastic. I was just more happy with the results of the audience participation during it.
1: Yeah, it seemed like they were they were strongly behind Cedric Alexander and Rich Swann the entire time. I mean, they were definitely behind the baby faces and um, I thought the commentating by uh, Vic Joseph and Nigel McGuinness were, was really, really good um, for this match and kind of helps sell it as far as watching it from a TV as- aspect. But uh, it was a, it was a really good cruiserweight tag match. There's not much more you can ask for. Uh, I love Brian Kendrick. So uh, I-, I thought he kind of shined in this match. He had a couple of really cool spots where, uh, I guess Cedric hit, like, a small package on him at one point, and then Kendrick just immediately came back and applied his Captain Hook. Um, and it looked like they were about to get, like, kind of a cheesy win. And then, uh, you know, that the finish with Swan with the uh, frog splash on Kendrick was – I thought that was a really cool little spot. And I, I thought it was a good match overall. I, I really enjoyed it. It was one of my favorite matches of the show, minus, you know, the obvious um, the obvious ones being, you know, uh, Finn and AJ and, and then uh, the the main event. But uh, out of the rest of the matches on the card, I thought it was, it was uh, definitely one of the best matches on the show.
0: No, I agree. And I think all four of these guys, Rick Swann's got a lot of charisma and he's a hell of an athlete. Um, Jack Gallagher is a hell of a lot of fun. I like this new heel perspective. He kind of even more reminds me of William Regal than he did before him because now he's kind of like, you know, that – Mischievous gentleman that has no problem punching the back of the head, sort of thing. Uh but yeah, I think the main two are the are the Brian Kendrick and Cedric Alexander. Uh, Cedric Alexander, uh little 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 flavors of Shelton Benjamin, AJ Styles in there. Like he's a he's a he's a great athlete. He's got a great finishing move. I like his charisma. I think that if they gave him the mic actually, he'd probably be pretty good on it, because I've heard him quite a few times. Uh and Brian Kendrick's badass. I mean, the protege of Shawn Michaels. Like, you got to realize that, like, Shawn has been a part of the uh, Texas uh, Texas Training Academy, I think is what it's called, or he was at least. And uh, there's two people that you can cite that were definitely trained by Shawn Michaels. Brian Kendrick was directly a part of that academy, and then later, I guess, Daniel Bryan worked with Shawn after he worked with other people. So Daniel Bryan does have some training from Shawn, but Brian Kendrick is Shawn Michaels' like protege, basically, and he's a... Phenomenal wrestler, phenomenal at selling. Uh, it's always good to see him in the ring. And great heel. Uh, it was just, you know, I, I, like I said, I like all the guys involved in 205 and the Cruiserweight division, and that's the reason why I'm very passionate on seeing them, you know, get some, uh, some recognition. So let's, let's hope that continues. Uh, do you have any closing thoughts, Chris, before we move on?
1: No, it'll be interesting to see if they split this off into two separate feuds on 205. That's kind of what I see happening. Um, and continuing down that path a little bit. And I, I kind of look forward to it. I, I think all of these guys work well in the ring together and they can, you know, separate them out however they want to and still have good matches. And I would like to see Cedric Alexander get a little bit more mic time. I thought he did pretty well when they gave him the storyline, which was kind of just a shitty storyline with the uh, Alicia Fox angle with Noam Dar. Um, but I thought he was pretty decent in that storyline, even in the early two or five days. So, It'd be interesting to see what they do with them. I I want them to get more of these guys on Raw, honestly. And uh, give them more of a shot, man. Give them a chance. Give them a chance to fall in their face. Don't just assume that they're going to, you know what I mean? Like give them
0: a shot. Let them have some time on TV, on the big screen, on Monday Night Raw you know? And they are. And that that's what's great is that this is getting, you know, two crazy, cruiserweight matches during the main card of the pay-per-view and then on Raw, you know, much more interaction, everything and build up to go into 205 Live. So if they keep it like this, I think that they have a chance at really making the Cruiserweight Division. Like, can you imagine, that based on how the Cruiserweight Division was a couple of weeks ago, not even that long ago, Chris, if Kota Ibushi and Zach Sabre Jr. were to have signed a deal after the Cruiserweight Classic, like, that would have been a travesty for their careers. Because, like, I even though I love all these guys – they're being held back and, and made perspective. So, God, I, I, I thought about that the other day. And, like, they were a part of that Cruiserweight Classic. And if they actually did sign on, this would have basically hindered them because they wouldn't have been moving on in other, you know, places, which is what they should do. They would have just been pigeonholed and kind of put in the background for whoever's, you know, going for the title. Could you imagine? Oh, man, that's even the better question I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put towards you, Chris. Could you imagine – Either of those guys, Kota Ibushi or Zack Saber Jr., taking a back seat to Enzo Amore for the title.
1: I would love to say no, but it's one of those things that like WWE is going to put whoever they feel is the, the biggest draw there. And I mean, clearly they feel like Enzo and, and Kalisto are the biggest draw on the cruiserweight card. Even though I might not necessarily agree with that, I, I feel like I feel like Neville is was the perfect deal, yep. and that it. Bringing Kalisto back against Neville would have been more entertaining, and you could have done other stuff with Enzo. You could have Enzo versus uh, TJP or Enzo versus um, Cedric Alexander or Rich Swan. I feel like there's other if you they could have gotten to where they wanted to with Enzo if they still wanted to go that route. But um, with Zach Saber Jr. being there, I feel like it, it, it's. I think he saw the writing on the wall before. He even looked at signing a contract with them or anything of that nature. He kind of—I think they kind of had a feel for 205 Live is going to be the redheaded stepchild uh, as far as brands go with uh, NXT and Raw and SmackDown. And uh, yeah, it's it's unfortunate, but I—I I, yeah I I just I can't see they they definitely would have taken a back seat in this situation because I feel like they they would have went this route with Enzo after they lost Austin Aries and possibly have lost Neville so um definitely definitely see where you're coming from and and definitely agree. I think that probably would have been the case. It would have been unfortunate though.
0: Yeah. Boy, I was I was thinking about that at work. I was I was listening to something. I was like, "Oh my god, like I think it was uh Meltzer going over uh one of Zack Sabre Jr's, maybe it was at PWG. Anyways, and I was thinking to myself, like, holy crap, he was in the Cruiserweight Classic. I was like, so was Kota Ibushi. I was like, if they stayed around and, did, you know, signed a contract, like, they would be right here in the ring like a bunch of numbskulls, a bunch of nerds running around these people. And, you know, like I keep on saying, I'm not trying to talk low about Cedric Alexander and a lot of these guys, Mustafa Ali, great, great wrestling talent. But I, I feel like even if they're all as skilled, I feel like, Coda and I feel like Zach are are names and and, and gimmicks, everything. There's a whole package that are a hell of a lot more. They, 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 they should be doing more basically, um, from what they are. I, I, I guess if that makes sense, but I don't know, I'm babbling now. So let's, uh, let's, let's continue our journey through the pay-per-view and go over our third match, the raw women's championship match, Alexa bliss defeated Mickey James bliss, uh, basically was saying that she was injured allowing her to yank james into the middle turnbuckle by her arm and hit a ddt to retain her championship after the match james cut a tearful promo thanking the wwe universe it kind of seemed like a retirement one like it was a. Uh, I i know it wasn't uh but i basically uh, it, it was kind of like similar honestly to john cena's reaction at the end of the match with roman reigns kind of like both of them realizing like yep like, all right, I've been in this for a long time. It's definitely uh, I can feel it coming, but you know they definitely have more more left their tank. That's not what I'm saying it's like the progression is is pushing them out no matter what. You know, and and with uh, Mickey James, she's a, she's an incredible wrestler, uh, crisp, incredible innovator, um, and you know future Hall of Famer. And she had a, a pretty pretty good match with Alexa Bliss. I really actually think Alexa Bliss is. Turned into a decent wrestler. She definitely works as a heel properly in the ring. Um, the whole old angle, and I know it has nothing to do with Alexa Bliss, just stupid. As as Mickey James were would point out, the fact that she's like I think a year or two older than Oscar. Like, are you kidding me? Like, there's people that are just as old as her. I think maybe uh, I'm assuming Natalie might be up there in age. She's like Mickey James. Like, are are you joking? Like all, and especially all the men who are older. You know, John Cena, AJ Styles. Uh, Samoa Cho like that type of stuff just kind of bothered me and also flip it over the Alexa Bliss every all of us trying to say biscuit but like what the hell is that like that's that's some lazy stupid writing it's just it's cringeworthy sometimes it's kind of like you're just trying to get the the crowd to say biscuit but like it's dumb anyways little rant outside of that match was 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 fair it was good you know and um Alexa Bliss won. I, I didn't expect it any other way. Uh, Chris, how do you feel?
1: I felt the angle was very disrespectful to Mickey James as far as the old thing goes, especially when pretty much the reason she left to begin with is they kind of force her out with a whole piggy James angle, and it's it's just kind of disrespectful for someone that is a six-time, I believe a six-time you know, women's champion who kind of was there with Trish and Lita and Molly Holly and Ivory and legitimate, you know, female workers who kind of led the way for what we're seeing now with the women's revolution as opposed to what WWE was trying to turn it into with Kelly Kelly and uh, yes, more of that type of divas wrestling with, I would even say the belligerent you know, I think they have I would say, yeah, exactly and, you know, for them to disrespect her and just go off like, like a played out age angle um it's just kind of dumb. Like, there's other ways that Alexa Bliss could have disrespected her or had a reason, you know, for Mickie James to be in the match. or and, and even if they're going to play up the fact that she may be retiring, it could have just been, like, a career versus title belt match and just ended it one shot or something. Like, there's other ways that they could have done that that would have been a lot more respectable. And it's just unfortunate because the last two big story angles Mickie James has been in on the main roster um, outside of you know her match with Asuka uh, was the Piggy James angle and then this old age angle and it's like someone there doesn't like Piggy James or something is the only thing I can think of which is very unfortunate because I think she's had a great career even her work in TNA against uh, uh, a lot of her matches with Gail Kim were really really great a lot of her matches with like ODB and a few of the other TNA knockouts I, I found uh, very entertaining even you know some of her matches with Velvet Sky um so, you know, she's had a very big career. She's definitely going to be a Hall of Famer. I thought the match was, was fine. Um, Bliss kind of worked the match the same way she does against everyone. Uh, it's very similar to the Sasha Banks matches she had.
0: Um,
1: I thought Mickey James did really well in the match. And, you know, overall the match was, was okay. It made sense with the finish being the way it was, with them continuing to build the fact that Alexa Bliss is going to cheat to win, much uh, you know, very much like The Miz does. So, the shitbag heel type type of so you know overall the match didn't bother me i i felt the same way about the storyline as you did it sounds like which i, I just kind of you're talking about someone that's a future hall of famer and it's kind of a very disrespect. like i they did the same thing with cena and roman reigns but roman played it off a lot better um, yeah this one seemed like a, a mean like a mean high school girl you know just digging at someone for no reason. And, and the right, because it was so scripted, it seemed even worse because it's like someone sat down and wrote out all these fucking super hateful thing, things. So, um, and then I don't ever feel like Mickey James got any, like Alexa Bliss never got any comeuppance for all the shit that she taught, you know? So it, it just, it felt bad overall as far as the story goes, but the batch itself was pretty good. I mean, it was entertaining to watch.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said. All right, let's uh, let's continue with this whole entire thing. Go to our cruiserweight championship match. Enzo More defeated Kalisto. Surprise, surprise. A more uh, thumbed Kalisto in the eye when the referee was distracted, than connected with the Giordanzo. Yeah, I just said it to win his second cruiserweight champion. After the match, he thanked himself. Yep, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> God damn it! All right, um, like I'm remembering, like as I'm reading this note to myself for the show, I forgot that he actually thanked himself. I thank myself, and then walked out. Uh, so, mini, mini DDP, how do you, how do you feel he's doing? Um, uh, and are you excited to see him on his second cruiserweight journey? Who's next for Enzo More, Chris?
1: I'm assuming they're gonna do one more match with Kalisto because they don't have anyone in the wings. So I'm thinking, it was, what this will be their third match.
0: It'll be tonight fourth on match? 205 Live. But yes, but yes, it would be okay. their third yeah. match,
1: fourth match. So I don't know where they're gonna go from there. I, I mean, I guess if they can get Neville back, if maybe the the blood in the water has faded a little bit, maybe he's gonna come back and actually have a match with Enzo. I don't know. That would be my main guess, because they, they haven't built anyone else up, really. I mean, unless they're going to break up the feud with uh, Kendrick and uh, Rick Swan and, and all those guys we talked about earlier, unless they're going to break those those people apart. Um, and then also, like, none of these people can have a title shot, right? When does I that clause end? I, I, no
0: <laughs> so,
1: I thought the match was fine. I mean, it's an Enzo match. He sold... The majority of the match, and uh, he had like a very Eddie Guerrero type win. He pulled the ring apron in, and <laughs> the ref went to, went to go deal with it. And he poked him in the eye and, and got the win. And I mean, that makes sense for his character, the character he's playing right now. I feel like Enzo is doing pretty decent work with what they're asking him to do. I just don't know where they're going to go with the cruiserweight title from here, um, unless they just put it on Kalisto and then they go you know, have this match again. I mean, they did that with Neville and Aries for a while, so hopefully hopefully they don't go that route uh, where it's just Kalisto losing over and over again to the champion. It just seems kind of lazy. Uh, uh, maybe a six-pack challenge at the next pay-per-view for Cruiserweight title oh, shots or something. That's my guess, but You're that's the only right. way they can really get out of it.
0: Because uh, they don't have anyone else built. Well, I feel like the people that that could be in line based on events would be Tozawa because he he had a push. Yeah, he lost to Neville, but building himself back up, you know, he could be up there because he's at least over a lot with the fans. Um, I could see Mustafa Ali because him and Enzo have had a lot of negative reaction and maybe they're finally going to just push him uh, because he's incredible in ring talent. And Cedric Alexander, obviously, because he was the one who got screwed by Enzo to get the uh, chance to go against Neville for the title, so out of the three of them, I, I just don't see it going back on, on. Maybe a part of the 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 thing, but I don't think Neville's going to give the title to Kalisha tonight. I think that that um, is not going to happen. I, I don't I don't know why you'd extend that view because it's kind of boring, honestly. Uh, but I I I mean, what they're doing is what they're doing, you know. But I will give it. I will admit. I think Enzo has gotten a lot better as an in-ring performer since he's been working with the cruiserweights. Um, I don't think that he works to the level of them, but I think that he works the way he works and he's making it work. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So, hey, how you doing? Um,
1: yeah, it, it reminds me a lot, of, uh, a, a lot of someone like Ultimate Warrior where he has a very specific thing that he does. And he's not going to go yeah. out of that comfort box. You're, you're just going to get the same match. And, you know, you can't say that he's bad for doing that because you're, I mean, this this match wasn't terrible. It's just you know Enzo is going to get his ass beat the entire time and then find a way to win.
0: And that's, you know, that's an Enzo match at this point. Yeah, and I think that that's how it's going to be. And uh, we'll see how it goes. I actually, the one thing I will say, I don't think it's really working out with him being a heel. I, I think that he's just kind of like looking a little bit, you know, bitchy. I think it was better if he kind of acted so arrogant about it, and if people didn't like him, people didn't like him, and people liked him, but did, still did heel stuff. I think that would be a better approach with his character, because I've seen him kind of do his his his, uh, his promos, and they're just kind of like, feel bad for me. Pity, pity, pun. So with a really strong Jersey accent, of course. But I'm ready to stop talking about Enzo and Kalisto and start talking about probably... <laughs> You know, uh, probably the most anticipated match on the card for me now, even going over the, uh, the the main event because I wanted to see these two guys go at it, the Demon Finn Balor and AJ Styles. Finn Balor, a.k.a. Prince Debit, the first leader and, you know, founder of the Bullet Club, I think along with uh, Anderson, yeah, Carl Anderson, tamatanga Um, Maybe the Young Bucks were part of it back then. Well this is this is a this ways back, people, okay? Uh later on a guy named AJ Styles would join, and when uh Prince David got signed over with WWE, AJ took it upon himself to stab him in the back and you know take the mantle of being the leader. This would of course happen to AJ with Kenny later on. Dun 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 What you didn't expect like an NWO like thing? Come on, guys. Think about it. It's like Sting started it. Anyways, uh but getting back to this, they've never besides like when they were way, way younger and, and, and the apparently like non-televised matches and stuff like that they've never had a high impact match with the two of these guys Finn being Demon which apparently on WWE 2K uh, 17 or 18 or whatever the last one is uh, puts you up two more points as as being you know scary in the ring for, for, for that whole entire thing I just thought it was ridiculous, but that's okay. I understand the demon different, and I love the demon. I think he's such a cool element to Finn Balor. Actually, if it probably wasn't for the demon, I might not have as much of a, a, a kindred spirit towards him. I don't know about that. Anyways, we'll just get into this match. I want to hear you go, Chris, because I like the match. I thought it was a very, very solid back-and-forth match. They had a lot of great spots, especially... AJ Styles ridiculous. Like, both of them are great in-ring performers, uh, both great at selling. But AJ Styles, he's a freak, man. That one part where he had Finn up on the ropes, uh, gave him the Pele kick, and then went around the ropes and then jumped on the ropes and then gave him a Hurricane Rana and launched him across the ring. Both men, incredible sequence. I think it was a little clunky at parts. It looked honestly like Finn might have been calling part of it in the ring. I've watched the match twice, and it really does – look like it's kind of getting put together because they didn't have much time. But of course people are bitching and saying, Oh, this is supposed to be an amazing match and all this stupid crap on the internet. And I'm like, we got the two leaders of the bullet club in a match. They were given time to just do their thing. Yeah. It didn't go as smooth as plans. The guys have never worked with each other. And if they have, it's been years. So I think for what we got and the fact that it was followed up by a 2 sweet, I thought it was a pretty damn Fun, entertaining little ride. Chris, how did you feel?
1: I, um, I really enjoyed the match. I was kind of surprised that they gave Finn Balor the win over AJ Styles, in all honesty. I, I feel like AJ Styles is carrying SmackDown, and he just lost his title to Baron Corbin, and I felt like he could have used the win a bit more um, than Finn Balor, who's coming off a couple wins against Bray Wyatt and probably a follow-up win against Bray Wyatt whenever that takes place. Uh, the match itself I thought was pretty pretty damn good i 'm not going to go as far as uh like Wade Keller. He gave it four and a half stars or four four and a quarter stars out of five or some shit but um, I thought it was a good match, all things considering its last minute, and uh, people seem to forget that you know there's part part of the aspect of a wrestling match and what makes a wrestling match so good is the storytelling beforehand and how you build up to this match. This was just a match where they just threw two people together against each other. Um, so neither of them are heels and it's, you're basically, they're not allowed to really talk up the you know, new Japan's version of the bullet club um, and really tell that story that kind of makes this the bigger deal. Um, so a lot of fans that are just strictly WWE fans, I feel like this may have been lost on them a little bit of how big of a deal this is, uh, even though they tried to talk about it as the announcer, you know, the announcers tried to talk about it, but, um, it really just didn't, you know, it didn't really feel, feel like the big match it should have been to me. Um, the match itself was really, there were some really cool, uh, spots. I really liked when, um. I guess it was there was a spot where AJ Styles was going for a Pele kick and then Balor caught it and hit him with like an overhead overhead kick out of it, which was kind of weird. It was towards the end of the match, um, and there was just you know a lot of really good work in between those guys. I mean, they're both springboard so Hurricane Ronnie you're talking about was pretty awesome, and uh, I like the finish where he missed the 450 splash and it set up the you know the coup de gras spot with the uh, the drop kick and then the, the coup de gras. I thought thought it was a good finish. Like like I said, it was more just weird that they put Finn Balor over AJ Styles. Maybe they think that Finn Balor is a bigger star than AJ Styles. I just don't see that personally. Um, so to me, it would have made more sense to have AJ Styles win this match or have it be a no contest or something uh, of that nature. But it, I don't know. It, it's kind of a weird match for both of them because like I said, there's no backstory. They're both faces. Uh, they can't really talk about their time in New Japan and why they might have a a, a reason to even you know want to fight each other other than just for pure pride. Uh, so to me, a lot of the match kind of the the mystique of the match just kind of fell short because it was put together. But I thought it was a good match. You know, like I there wasn't anything that just stood out of it being like awful. I know it's a lot better than what Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt would have been in the spot. Yeah. And this was probably. I mean, this is the best non. I mean, this was the best match on... This is the best match of the night, honestly. Because I have problems with the main event. I thought the main event was entertaining, but this was the best actual wrestling match of the night. They still had the best match absolutely. on the card with little time to prepare and absolutely no backstory with both of them being good guys going into it. So, it you know, I, I don't have as much problem with it as, I guess, some of the internet, other internet folks did, but I'm also not as high on it as some of some other writers are. So I just, you know, I thought it was a good AJ Styles match. Finn Balor has not really impressed me thus far since he got called up to the main roster, and I don't know why that is. I felt the match he had with Seth Rollins uh, before he got injured was um, pretty fucking amazing. Uh, but other outside of that, I haven't really liked any of his matches. So um, this match maybe, being the maybe, exception, maybe, but...
0: Maybe he's playing it safe more so. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't I don't know from your perspective because you get to watch throughout that whole entire time period. I've just witnessed him come back, and I went back and watched, obviously, the Seth Rollins um, uh, match with him where he got injured, and that was a great match. But I, I, I agree with you. I think that the stuff I've seen him do in NXT and the stuff I've seen him do in New Japan, they should let the guy kind of go a little more unleashed. I, one thing with WWE, it's like even if there's a wrestler – that doesn't have a package, like like a video game, like a moveset, um, that has a lot more stuff that he would have showed off in another you know place like New Japan or Ring of Honor, they're like, condense it to five and make sure you hit all those beats. And it's like, just because you've had wrestlers that have strived off of only having those five moves or whatever, you know, it's better when we see someone like John Cena kind of go out of the play box. Like even if he can't hit a stunner off the ropes, you know, that, that, uh, that jump, uh, power bomb thing that he does, uh, I forgot what, what exactly it's called. Canadian destroyer. Uh, Doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's what I'm trying to say is like when they step outside of it, we don't have to have the same exact thing over. It. And I think that he's pigeonholed a lot. And maybe they are trying to be safe with them. What I will say, though, is the only reason I can think of Finn Balor going over AJ Styles is, one, he's a demon. And that's supposed to be distinguished. thing which is like, whoa, oh, no, you know, he's, he's now excelled and shit like that. And the main reason is, is because I think it was Raw. Um, they are trying to show that the Raw Warrior is still going to we- beat the SmackDown person under their venue no matter what. That's the only thing I can think of, but I completely agree with you. Um, AJ Styles is the bigger name. Um, I don't want to say, I mean he is a better wrestler But I think Finn Balor is an incredible wrestler Don't get me wrong uh, There's a reason we were talking about him before And Zack Sabre Jr. said one of his Biggest influences um, was Finn Balor uh, You know, he is an incredible wrestler But AJ probably should have won um, But uh, how did you feel about the two-sweet thing at the end? Real quick I
1: thought it was cool I mean, it was it's totally fine I mean, it's kind of It's kind of weird, and, you know, they go so hard after the, you know, outside of the realm of WWE, they went so hard, you know, at people that aren't NWO doing it recently, and then, you know, you have two people that were the leader of the fucking Bullet Club do it, and it's fine, because it's on WWE TV, I I don't know, like, it was a cool moment, but at the the same time, it's like, the first... The first thing I fucking thought of was like, oh yeah, they're still trying to sue the new bucks over that, and so it just kind of pissed me off. But that's that's probably more of a me thing. I think you know, to to most fans, they were like, oh, that was really cool. The crowd seemed like they really appreciated it. So,
0: yeah, I'm just wondering if they even asked because even if you're going to get yelled at, what are you going to say? AJ, damn it, you just came here from Chile. You got a stomach uh, infection. Finn keeping the coup de gras probably harder than he gives most people. Uh, you know, and you guys too sweeted. And Finn, what the hell, man? Like, I, I, don't, I feel like even if they just said, screw it, we're going to do it, like, what the hell is Vince going to really do to two of his biggest guys? But they probably did ask permission. They probably just did anyways. I think that with people, if you get mad because of the Yumbuck stuff, I understand the reasoning. I just think that since these guys kind of paved the way for this to even be still a thing, if you will, even though, obviously, the Young Bucks, I think, have taken it to a different level when it comes to merchandise. Um, you know, it seems, even if people didn't know the storyline that our uh, fans outside of wrestling, you know, in the WWE, there was still a storyline to all of us that we knew about. So it was cool to signify, like, yeah, that that's there still. But um, it was a fun match. I will, I will say I don't think it was incredible or anything like that, But I'm not picking on it, and I'm not saying it's the match of the year at all. Um, Some people, one way or the other, will keep on going with our journey. And our journey, uh, you know, we've walked with Elias throughout this night. You guys thought I forgot about this. I didn't. Uh, Elias had two other segments before this last match, finally with Jason Jordan, where he tried to come out and play the guitar and play a song that he said was inspired by Prince uh, and basically just talk crap about the audience and where they're from. I forgot where this was. it's blanking me right now, but he just tries to do his honky-tonk-man thing instead of, you know, playing all sh- bravotic, and bravotic's not even gonna work. Instead of doing the Elvis thing, he does it more like slow down and bluesy, but it's the same type of shit. Him talking crap about the town they're in, fun stuff. Jason Jordan comes out and throws vegetables. Yeah, that's what they got doing. He's the son of Kurt Angle. He's throwing vegetables at Elias Sampson. With a shopping cart and everything. The first time it happened, they got me. I was like, did someone really destroy a head of lettuce? Like a whole head of lettuce that his head, like, how would that even get in the door? But then, obviously, Jason Jordan was revealed, did a second time, third time. Ah, uh-uh! ah! There's got to be a match. Well, Jason Jordan defeated Elias Sampson, uh, countered a su- uh, basically, Jordan countered a suplex into a small package to get the win. After the match, the announce team loudly uh, complained about how Elias got his shoulder up and shows slow motion replays to prove it. It was mainly Booker T that was not happy about this decision. And honestly, it was bad because I, I don't know if they should have addressed it because it was definitely an accident, but he definitely had a shoulder up and doesn't look like they're going to move with it or anything like that. And um, I think that I think it was this match and maybe the one before with Finn Balor where the refs had a really fast count. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But I remember Booker T calling it out with this one. By the way, the whole banter with Booker T against Michael Cole and, and Corey is is awkward but hilarious at the same time. Booker goes in circles and these guys just kind of like go back and forth. But um, how did you feel about this match? I don't, I don't. By the way, I don't really care about the match <laughs> that much. I'm sorry. I like Elias. Um, I think he's fun. I kind of wish that he would have a pusher for Jordan. I don't. I think Jordan's great in the ring. I just don't care for him as much. Um, and I, it's funny because I'm such a huge shaggable Gable mark. Now, um, Jordan's just not doing it for me as much. I think this angle actually is kind of hurting him. Uh, I wish I didn't even do it, or at least, like, kind of make it go in a heel direction. But, yeah, songs and and ass-kicking, you know, all that type of stuff. Chris, how did you like it?
1: Oh, man. Uh, the match itself was good, the storyline building up to the match, like, especially at the beginning of the pay-per-view where he threw, like, veggies at him and Elias just kind of sit there and look look, like sat there and looked at him was kind of infuriating Um, I thought I just thought it was it was just Uh, but the match itself I thought was fine I'm also in the same boat with Jason Jordan but I kind of knew I was going to be as soon as we found out it was Jason Jordan Um, I hoped a lot more out of that storyline I thought it would lead to a Jason Jordan versus Kurt Angle match somewhere down the road uh, with where Jason Jordan has basically lied to Kurt Angle the entire time um, about yep. this. You know, I, that's where I thought they were going to go with it, just because it's just not I, – I, I don't think – I like, fans will believe dumb wrestling storylines, but sometimes you can just get too dumb, and the storyline to me is just too dumb for most fans to buy into it or care about it. Like, no one really sees him as Kurt Angle's son. I, w- I would even say, like, a 10-year-old would look at this and be like, that's not really Kurt Angle's son so that's, you know, it's a problem, but they could play into that and, and definitely go somewhere heelish with it, and we've talked about that in the past. When this first happened, when they first uh, did the angle, I thought that's was a good spot to get them out of it if they needed to, and I feel like now's probably the time to pull the trigger on it. Yep. But Or, or at Survivor Series, if he's part of the Survivor Series team, which I think that might be the case um, for Raw. He's probably going to end up as one of the people in the Survivor Series match in some form would be my guess. So uh, maybe they're going to go that route, but I, I don't know. match itself was fine. It's just really hard to care about it because I just, it's really hard for me to care about the storyline they have Jason Jordan involved in. He's a, he's a great in-ring wrestler, and I feel like, I don't think he's as good as Chad Gable um, as far as in-ring ability, um, and possibly even on the mic, but they haven't really given him, you know a whole lot to do other than just being Kurt Angle's son so it's it's hard to say I, I don't think it would have mattered either way I just think that storyline is just was kind of just a bad idea um and must they pull pull out some kind of big twist on it uh, and they didn't really accomplish that so
0: I don't know I just I yeah I don't know either Because I feel like 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 we keep on saying Jason Jordan, he's got energy and he's he is a good in ring wrestler. It's just yeah, it's not so much I even want Chad Cable to have this storyline because even though he obviously looks a little more like Kurt Angle does, I mean they have the same like head. It just you know then he would be in this place too, and I don't think this is a good place. Like this is this it's it's the stuff that WWE does that like here we're trying to make a star of them so. We're going to start telling you that Bray Wyatt's the new Undertaker over and over again. The announcers are going to make comparisons, so he'll just be the new Undertaker. Oh, that didn't work. Okay, never mind. You know, Dolph Ziggler, he's, he's Shawn Michaels. Now he's the anti-Shawn Michaels. He's the show-off, the showstopper. It doesn't matter. You know, like Jason Jordan, the son of Kurt Angle. No, just Jason Jordan, badass wrestler who has obviously wrestling influence from Kurt Angle and Sheldon Benjamin and a lot of other guys like that. But when it comes down to him and his ex-partner, for me, Chad Gable's more engaging. They both had, I think, I want to say Chad's had less time than Jordan has to warm up the audience or or give promos that I've heard them by themselves. I like Chad Gable better, and I think he's a better entering wrestler. So out of the two of them for a tag team, not saying that they both should have gone on the storyline path. It's just funny because they're giving this push to Jason. It's like, all right, let Chad get better as a wrestler with Shelton Benjamin. He's only 32, you know. Once you finally decide to, like, pull the trigger with him, I think you're going to have the next Owen Hart, Bret Hart, you know, um, just a badass wrestler, basically, in general, great package wrestler. Uh, So who knows? I'm sure Jordan will be fine, but we're going to continue down to our last match, the TLC handicap match. Kurt Angle, Seth Rollins, and Dean Ambrose somehow, someway defeated the Miz, Cesaro Sheamus, Braun Strowman, and Kane. I'll give you guys a couple of the uh, the highlights basically, and then we'll go over it uh, together. Kurt Angle was made an honorary member of the Shield for the night, complete with tactical vest. He looked like the happiest child uh, on Christmas coming down in his Shield outfit. He looked so unshielded, like he kind of had like that. I'm a dad, like you know, like I'm older and I'm a dad and I'm still cool. Gee Willakers, like smile to him, but we all love Kurt Angle, and still people were saying, you suck, saying it in there, you know, without the music and everything, uh, I'll never, I, I think the you suck thing, we got to change it up, guys, come on, as fans, we can put a donut in there, it's not really that hard, if you just change the rhythm a lot, I, I've said it a million times, anyways, Braun Strowman took out Angle uh, with a power slam, pretty early in the match, uh, put him through a table, and uh, made it to the match five on two. Uh, Kane accidentally hit Strowman with a chair at some point. He got shoved down, so later Kane turned on Strowman uh, and chokeslammed him through the stage and pulled down a hanging steel display on top of him, which actually looked pretty gnarly. Gave a great horror vibe with, like, you know, this monster, like, not moving now because like, a million chairs. And honestly, that probably hurts like hell. Uh, but Strowman, of course, rose from his chairs, chair grave to attack Team Miz, teamed up on him and beat him into, yes, you're you're hearing this right, they put him into the compactor part of a garbage truck. Um, At one point, there was also where both S.H.I.E.L.D. members had set up, this is actually earlier in the match, but set up both ladders and put both Kane and Braun Strowman through both the announce tables around the ring, Um, and it looked like, and I'm hoping nothing happened, but as they pointed out, Seth Rollins, Uh, looked like he tweaked his knee when jumping into that. If he was selling it throughout the rest of the match and he was just trying to create something to sell because he has knee issues, um, he didn't really do a good job of selling it afterwards. So it looked like he actually kind of was favoring it at first and kind of like said, screw it. So I hope there's something with that because I love Seth Rollins. Uh, But interesting match. Uh, I want to say that it was good for the first chunk, then got a little bit weird, and then then, you know Kurt Angle returned to take out uh, the bar, Ambrose. Rollins came through the barricade and three teamed up and hit The Miz with a trio of finishers and a shield, uh, well, actually, yeah, an American shield bomb to win the match, what Corey Graves called it. Great, great idea. But, um, yeah, interesting. Like I said, a lot of it was fun. It was probably the safest but most fun TLC match I've ever watched. I mean, they were pretty vicious, but, like, nothing, like, as brutal as beforehand, but it was still entertaining. Uh the trash compactor reminded me of early 90s WCW. Um, I feel like I would have watched the Legion of Doom trap Macho Man Randy Savage into that. Or Raw, or, or not Raw, but WWF for that matter, too. Uh, but Chris, how would you feel about the TLC handicap match? Honestly, um, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh,
1: there were some spots that kind of bothered me. I think it kind of went on a little too long uh, in the middle section when they were just beating on Rollins and Ambrose for a long time. Like, you feel like eventually they would pin him. And that kind of just, like, went by the wayside to just them destroying them. And, I mean, I guess they tried to talk it up as, like, hey, this is happening. Um, like, they just want to destroy these two people. And I think Miz was trying to reiterate the entire night that, like, hey, the reason we want to destroy... Kurt Angle in these guys is so that we can take over the WWE or take over raw, but the announcers didn't really play it up. So that kind of that section of the match felt a little out of sorts to me. Um, and then, you know, I kind of, we, like we talked about it last week. I kind of assumed that, that Kane and, and Braun would turn on each other or Braun would turn on everyone, which is basically what happened. What I didn't expect to happen is everyone turning on Braun. So now, you have a pretty interesting storyline with Braun uh, and Kane and then Braun versus uh, the miscarriage, even if he just wants to destroy them. Um, It gives Braun something to do, which is good. Uh, And then also, you know, like Kurt Angle seemed like he was having a lot of fun. Uh, And I, you know, the end of the match was, it felt good. I think it was a good send home, especially considering, uh, you know, that a lot of the matches changed. Maybe if you're a Roman Reigns fan and you were really looking forward to that shield reunion, you might've been a little sad, but, uh, it was great that the Miz is the one that ended up, you know, getting demolished at the end. I I felt like that was a good, like Miz's complete, you know, heel bad guy. And and the good guys, you know, got, got the comeuppance on him at the end there. and, And they got the win. It was a long match. This match was like 35 minutes long. Um, because of all of the additional spots, the chair, the chair spot where Kane pulled down the chairs, I thought was kind of neat. Um, I don't know how they necessarily did that. I'm assuming that he crawled under another part of the stage or something, and then just crawled back under the chairs, and it was a little bit of camera magic there, would be my guess, because that would have sucked otherwise. <laughs> um, and then the, the trash compactor thing was just completely dumb, but I knew it was coming from Miz's earlier speech so I was kind of braced for the awkwardness of it um, I thought that for sure the Miz was going to get thrown into it uh, by like Kane and Braun or something like that or the Miztourage was going to get thrown awesome. into it. Um, but they went a different route which I think opens them up for a storyline I think they went kind of like you know up their asshole and out their mouth to touch their elbow in certain parts of this match but I thought it was an okay match and uh, it was definitely it was definitely fun. Um, Cesaro took one hell of a table bump off an angle slam that looked fucking awesome. Oh. So if you if you don't want to watch any of the rest of this match or have no interest in it, at least watch the spot where <laughs> Cesaro takes this, this table bump. And I, also, I felt really bad for Dean Ambrose because uh, table legs kept breaking on him whenever he was getting put through tables, so he just kept like kind of getting fucked. <laughs>
0: Oh, Chris, uh, one of my favorite parts is that table breaks when he wouldn't go through it, so then Braun Strowman's like, give me this thing, and he sets it up in the corner. He's like, I'll put him through it. And I'm like, jeez, man, because then what happened later on when they're on the ramp, and they have both them set up for the double choke slam thing, and Kane, uh, like, destroys Seth Rollins through it, and just Dean bounces off his table. Like, poor guys, <laughs> man. Oh, jeez. But they definitely got beat up. I think the majority out of anyone in the match, um, and maybe Braun if he just like, "No, I'm staying here with the chairs. You're gonna hit me in the head. I don't care." I don't think Braun Strowman <laughs> play like that in real life, though. Uh, but I, I don't think I've ever seen an audience start going into a "You just murdered" chant ever uh, after they uh, apparently killed Braun Strowman. But it was fun. Like like we keep on saying, it was a fun match. It was good pay per view. I don't think it was over. I I think that WWE has been consistent lately with their Raws, their SmackDowns, and their pay-per-views for a good while, and I can't actually remember when the last time I thought negatively for a large period of time. I think besides, like, Bray Wyatt versus Finn Balor, you know, withstanding stuff like that, I think that their their, their pay-per-views and their matches for their cards have been consistent. Um, So I will say this interview, or interview, this pay-per-view was a lot of fun, and um, I'm looking forward to the next one. Uh, let's move on to Ross. so we can talk about some more of this uh, wonderful information. We'll kind of cut through this a little bit quicker, uh, but this actually goes into one of our topics tonight, so we'll just break in with Kurt Angle starting off the show, uh, announcing the Match for Survivor Series. So we got, so far, Chris, Natalia versus Alexa Bliss, Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose versus The Usos, Brock Lesnar versus Jenner Mahal, and there's two traditional five-on-five elimination matches, uh, one male and one female. So, before we go into the rest of Raw, how do you feel about this card so far? And then, yeah, just, just tell me how you feel about the card, then we'll talk about who we, let, who we think is going to be in the elimination matches. Um, you know, yeah, right. how, how do you feel about the champions versus champions aspect? I
1: honestly like the like the card quite a bit. I like the idea of champions versus champions. I don't know how they're going to build it. Um, that's the only part that worries me. But it does set you up for some cool matches and lets you kind of do a crossover thing. The um, Talia versus Alexa Bliss, if that title situation stays how it is, is going to be kind of a weird match because they're both heels. Um, Brock versus Gender. I'm assuming Brock is going to absolutely destroy Gender. And I don't know what that's going to do for Gender's career um, or his push. I don't, like, I don't understand what they're going to do coming off of that, which is kind of weird. Uh, the match that I'm looking most forward to out of this entire Survivor Series thing is uh, the Usos versus uh, Seth and Dean. Yeah. Like I think that's going to be one hell of a fucking match, and I'm really looking forward to that. So when I heard that was announced, I'm I'm, I'm ecstatic. I think it's going to be really really cool. Uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of that was kind of my feels on it. Uh, what was the thir- I missed one? The U.S. Baron Corbin versus the Miz.
0: Oh yes, right? yes.
1: So the Miz is just going to get destroyed probably, which is unfortunate. So I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs>
0: I feel like something's changing before this pay-per-view, though. I could see us having Charlotte versus Alexa Bliss based on what happens going forward or something because those are two heel versus heel matches. That doesn't make a lot of sense with Baron Corbin and and The Miz and Alexa Bliss and Natalya. So, I don't know. It could change. I also think that, maybe I'm just hoping for this, they really could have been, now based on what they're doing, Chris – they really could have been hope for a Shield versus New Day, and maybe that was in the works. But because of what happened with Roman, the fact that he's out and could be out for a while, prevented that. And they've got a great match instead. I think the Usos versus Rollins and Ambrose is going to be a lot of fun. But just saying, I'm wondering if that was a contention. Now the question is though, these five on five elimination matches. We know that Alicia Fox is a cap- I don't know how is the captain for Raw, uh, out of the women's, but. And I'm pretty sure Kurt Angle and Shane are one of the spots for the men's. Um, How how do you feel about this? Uh, Do you have any, like, ideas of what the – who they could be, the teams?
1: Oh, man. I'm assuming – it's so weird because I don't know if – who's going to be back. Is Roman going to be back by then? Because if Roman's going to be back by then, you assume it's going to be Roman, AJ, and – I would think probably Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn. Uh, maybe maybe ah, Shane McMahon if I he wants know. to wrestle another match. It's just such a weird, because the storylines are kind of in a weird spot. So that match is usually your top guys. I don't know. That one's a tough one, man. Uh, I'd ha- Like, what do you think? You got anyone in mind? I mean, AJ Styles is definitely going to be on the Survivor Series team. Ben Balor is going to be on the other team. And I think they're going to build that, build off their match that they just had, a little bit. So I assume that those two are, are definitely locks. I would hope. I don't know if Samoa Joe is going to be back by then. Samoa Joe would be a good pick. I, I do feel like Roman Reigns is going to be there if he if he's able to be there. I think they'll have him there.
0: Well, let's let's. I, I don't hope this, but let's assume that Roman is out. Uh, we got Samoa Joe, which I think, from what I'm hearing, and we're you know we're supposed to be going over this later. Um, it sounds to me that Samoa Joe is just they're trying to figure out a way to put him back into the storyline. This would be a good way if you think that you're down on your luck. Um, I think AJ and Kurt, are, I, I, the way they made it look last night, I feel like they're going to be in the match. Um, do you think that people would hate it if, since we have all these other matches with the stars? if it was AJ, Shane, and the New Day. That would make
1: sense. The New Day would – I mean, they give the New Day something to do.
0: And then we would have Finn, Samoa Joe, Kurt Angle. I think your idea with Jason Jordan is not a bad idea. I'm just trying to think if there's someone maybe that that would make more sense to implement in there. Um, I mean, you could do the bar. Uh, obviously, but I don't know why he would be helping Kurt. But then again, what we have to realize is that this is brand versus brand. So just like how we saw, you know, them acting very heelish with this invasion angle and going after their friends, it's, it's, it's supremacy of who's the better one. Mob mentality, blah blah blah. That's what the the announced team was trying to convey with us. So I get it. So you could have Finn, Samoa Joe, Kurt Angle. I mean, Braun Strowman seems like someone that you got to put on one of the teams. So then we got Four. If that if that could be the thing, and maybe Jason Jordan. Um I think that makes a lot of sense that he would give the spot to his son. And then if you have him against AJ Shane the New Day, I mean it's kind of like less spectacle because the New Day is, you know, kind of like looked at as one team, but they're so over that mixed with Shane and AJ, that seems like a pretty suitable team. Um especially given the fact that, you know, you got the Uso's out, you got Ambrose and Rollins out, you got all this type of stuff happening. No Brock Lesnar, no Jinder Mahal. Um, so maybe that. Now with the women's, I think Asa's going to be on the team. Alicia Fox is definitely going to be on the team. Pretty sure Sasha and Bailey are going to be on the team. I'm just not quite sure about the fifth person, because Nia Jax, we don't know what's going on with her. So this is kind of like, you know, could it be Mickey James? Um, that could make a lot of sense. And then the women's team for Raw, we got Becky Lynch probably – you know, definitely going to be on the team. Naomi, they were at during that whole entire thing. Uh, Charlotte. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, who stacks up against the women's team. Because if you're telling me, not not really Alicia Fox, but Sasha Bailey, Asuka, and Mickey James, yeah, you got to keep that good. Uh, and the three of them are not going to just be able to do it themselves. I guess Tamina would make a lot of sense. Um, I can't think of a fifth person that would stack up. Maybe Paige comes back. She's on SmackDown. I don't know. We're gonna find out. But playing this game of trying to figure it out is a lot of fun. Uh do you have have you thought about anything else? Uh or am I forgetting anyone, Chris, now that I've been talking a lot, unfortunately, for everyone up there?
1: Man, I I just don't know on this one. Yeah. Run the question by me this, one this, more time so I can
0: Well, basically, who do you think is going to be the five-on-five elimination teams for the women's um, and the men's? Like, do you have any ideas that I didn't, you know, say? Well, I think,
1: well, unless Charlotte's champion, I'm assuming Charlotte will be in the match, Sasha will be in the match, Carmelo will be in the match, Nia will be in the match. Ah! That's who it is. Afka will be in the match. Uh... Alicia Fox will be in the match, and I guess whoever they can raw up on the, the, the raw side, but I would assume that, uh, you know, uh, man, what is her name? Why cannot not Naomi will be there?
0: Um, All right, so did I say I Becky think, Lynch already? Like, Becky
1: Lynch? Basically the whole women's wow. roster versus the whole women's roster. That one's a lot easier to <laughs> do just because they – they don't have as many people. The the raw one's a little harder because they have so many top guys, but if if you go the route of putting the New Day there, um then you're like New Day versus our top wrestlers, and then you would assume that the SmackDown team's just gonna be demolished. So I'm I'm
0: gonna make my assumptions right now that the women's team will be Alicia Fox, Sasha, Bailey, Asuka, and Mickey James versus Charlotte, Carmella, Becky, Tamita, and Naomi. Charlotte's the only one I could see possibly replacing herself with Natalia as a champion, if somehow that happens from now until then, to go against Alexa Bliss. Um, so that would make Natalia Camarella, Becky, Tamina, Naomi, but you understand what I'm saying. Uh, for the men's, I think actually it does make sense, especially based on who was present the most in that video, that we have AJ, Shane, and The New Day go against Samoa Joe, Kurt Angle. Uh God, you're right, though. There's too many big guys. Maybe it's this. Okay, Samoa Joe, Kurt Angle, Finn Balor, Matt Hardy, Jason Jordan. Braun Strowman goes against Kane as an extra match on the card or something like that. Um, Yeah, that's my guesses. We'll find out in not too long, and uh, let's move on with the show. Uh, The Miz, after Kurt Angle making his announcement, came to the ring to threaten Angle, so Ambrose and Rollins arrived to back him up, which gave Angle no time to get out of the ring's uh, those guys could have beaten the crap out of him, and those guys would have still been coming down the stairs of the arena. So, you know, you got to wait for the music to finish, I guess, to beat up your uh, opponent. I'm just kidding. Angle announced that AJ Styles had stuck around for one more night and made the opening match. AJ Styles, Dean Ambrose, and Seth Rollins against The Miz, Sheamus, and Cesaro. What a fucking match yeah, on paper. It was actually a pretty entertaining match. I wish I could have seen a little more rea- uh, interactions with AJ Styles and Seth Rollins specifically doing stuff together. But they had this cool part where all of them jumped out of the ring at the exact same time. And I forgot what the proper thing term is, but I know for a fact it's not a suicide dive like uh, like uh, Corey said. But you know, tomato tamale. Uh, it was still like normal spots, fun match. Eh, you know, same thing. And then Kane appeared and came out uh, and slammed Rollins after they've won. Uh, this would lead to Kane uh, in a match with Finn Balor, and uh, Kane stuck around after his attack, bragging about ending Braun Strowman and demanding competition. Finn Balor accepted the challenge. Kane pin Balor clean after three choke slams. Okay, so the question to you about these two matches: How did you think the three and three was? Uh, was you know uh, what was what was your uh, concept on that? And then with Kane and Finn Balor a lot of people are not happy that Finn Balor lost after beating AJ Styles the night before. I think based on the person that he went against and the fact that it took Kane three choke slams to really just show like he's done. I don't think it was that bad. I think this would be a different perspective in the storyline, at least, even though I think it's ridiculous. This is demon Balor versus Kane. And I think this might be setting up something between the two of them for the future. If, Balor doesn't have anything to do, maybe at WrestleMania you got Demon versus Demon, maybe it's Kane's last match. I don't know. But how'd you feel about these matches and do you think that it was stupid, storyline wise, for Finn Balor to lose to Kane?
1: Oh, so okay, this gets a little weird, right? Because the way that they ended that match with Braun would lead you to believe that it's gonna be Kane versus Braun. Um at least that's how the match kind of came out, does seem like maybe they're going to put Kane in the role that they had set for Bray Wyatt. Um, but it's just really weird because now it's just like, okay, they threw Braun into a trash compactor and Kane, you know, dumped a bunch of chairs on him and Braun's just cool with it. And that just doesn't really... I don't know if that sets well with everyone else, but it doesn't really make sense to me either. So having Kane win here doesn't do anything other like to, for me, unless they're building it like, wow, we need Kane to get a really big win because Kane's going to have to go against Braun Strowman. Um, so I don't know if they're even 100% sure on where they're taking that. My guess would be that they think Kane needs a big win, so they gave him a big win. Um, and if they end up going Finn versus Kane, they can go that route, or they can go Braun versus Kane. Um, but it's it's weird, right? I mean, I, I that one's it's definitely very strange AJ Styles, Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins versus the Miz, Sheamus and Cesaro was fucking awesome. I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, and you know, it it was just, I I wouldn't expect anything less from anyone that was in that match. So that that match was pretty great. It didn't do anything with any storylines other than you have the shield still pissed at, uh, the Miztourage, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, the weird thing, like I said, I, I if they're setting up a Finn versus Kane storyline, him losing makes sense. But I can also see them going with Kane versus Braun, in which they could have gave Kane some wins over other people. I don't, I didn't, I don't think it necessarily had to have been Balor, or he didn't necessarily have to beat Balor clean. Like he could have just threw Balor through a table or something, and then not actually. Ballard didn't actually have to lose that match, especially as much as they do DQ finishes anyways. Um, so I don't know. That one's weird. I don't actually know where they're going to go with... To me, it sets back Ballard's character a little bit um, ab- right after he beats AJ Styles um, and then just gets like decisively
0: beat by Kane. Do you, do you think that the person that made Kane's mask made Drago's mask too and Lucha Underground cuz I want I want to call the guy and make uh, a cool ass like dinosaur mask for my head that really like around my nose um maybe I, let's, let's continue. <laughs> I don't know I'm just I'm just throwing it out there seeing what you know fits um a couple things happened we had Oscar defeating Emma um Oscar won the rematch from TLC with an Oscar lock um once again, I think this one could have been a little more dominant with Asuka, definitely. The pay-per-view, I think I understand you're trying to show off her skills, but to me, she could have, like, cleaned them a hell of a lot quicker. But it was, I mean, it's whatever. It doesn't bother me as much as it bothers some people. Then Alexa Bliss cut a promo demanding the fans uh, the fans chant, you deserve it to her. Uh, Mickey James came out. Really fun moment where she, like, enters the ring, and they're both like, hey, hey, how's it? She just knocks her out, uh, then told Alexa that she deserved that. After the break, we would have Jason Jordan uh, defeating Elias via disqualification. Uh, Jason won when Elias attacked him with a guitar, smacking it over his shoulder and the side of his head. Can we stop doing that in WWE and wrestling in general? It's just stupid. Unless these are really, really played-down guitars. Those motherfuckers are very, very hard. Anyways, Chris, how'd you feel about these three segments?
1: The Oscar versus Emma match, it was fine. It was only a five-minute match, so I didn't really care that it went back and forth as much because it was over so fast that it was, you know, not as big a deal as, like, the pay-per-view, which went a little longer. Uh, it is weird that they that they gave Emma so much offense, but, you know, that just... This may have been a spot that they had for Nia or something where they were going to do more. I don't, I don't know, uh, but... You know, Emma did fine here, and I thought it was a pretty good match. Uh, I think most people's frustration, like I said, is that they haven't done anything with Emma, and they feel like Emma's basically kind of like a job person, and she's making Asuka have these back-and-forth matches. So, like I said, I get it, but it's fine. I mean, Asuka is not going to lose to Emma, so there's not really anything to worry about. It's just, like, no one's going to look at that and think about it in a couple weeks. They're just going to be like, well, Asuka beat Emma twice. So I think they'll they'll move forward from here and give her something else to do. Um Alexa Bliss. I this thing was really long. Um but I did enjoy kind of Mickey James getting getting the better of Good payoff. Uh, Alexa payoff. So we'll see where they go with it. Um they could set up a title match before Survivor series or something. I'm not hundred percent sure, but that would that would be my guess to at least get that out of the way before Survivor Series because Alexa Bliss is going to in theory she's probably going to hold that title until then so there I don't think this will be the only pay I wouldn't think that this is the payoff right um so maybe a rematch I don't know um and then Elias thing I I kind of agree with you with the headshot guitar I know that they're trying to get it to hit the shoulder but like he did this against Finn Balor and it didn't work. And then they did it again. It it makes sense why he would do it because Jason Jordan was throwing garbage at him and then beat him in a match. So from a storyline standpoint, it makes sense. It's just one of those weird, uh, weird scenarios where you think about concussions and concussion syndromes and modern wrestling. And you worry about people taking shots like that. I didn't get a good shot. I haven't went back and watched it. Uh, I do know that there was like a massive, like, Welt on Jason Jordan's arm So I think he did get the majority of the arm But it's still, it's just a dangerous spot When he did this with Finn Balor, he really Leveled Finn Balor in the head So I I would just hope That they would kind of steer clear around this Especially because they have so many big people uh, Or, I mean You know, Jason Jordan is someone They're pushing, so, you know They don't don't want him to get injured, so I wouldn't say big people, with Finn Balor it was a big person But I, I don't know that Jason Jordan's reached that echelon yet, but they definitely have a lot of fate in it, faith in him. They're trying to do something big with him, so it just it seems like a silly thing to do.
0: I agree. All right, let's go on. So we have this wonderful thing that happened where Brock Lesnar comes out with Paul Heyman. He does his spiel. Paul Heyman went into the fact that normally he doesn't like talking uh, without respect to his competitors for Brock Lesnar, um, that he didn't do that with Samoa Joe, that he didn't do that with Braun Strowman, he didn't do that with Bill Goldberg, basically showing that he respects them and that Brock respects them, basically. Uh, but that is completely different with Jinder Mahal. He called out all the problems that the fans have, that we have, storyline-wise, that he realized too much on the Singh brothers and that they stole his gimmick with doing the uh, call-out, and that he is a modern-day um, ripoff Maharaja, uh, basically just laid it into him, which only Paulie can do, and uh, made it look like there's no way in hell Jinder Mahal is going to beat Brock Lesnar at this pay-per-view. So how did you feel about the promo, and do you think that that is... I mean, how do you feel, Chris? Do you think that it would be absolutely crazy if Jinder Mahal somehow beat Brock Lesnar? That's Survivor Series.
1: I think fan, I think fans will flip the shit if Jinder Mahal beats Brock Lesnar. He's not on Brock Lesnar's level. Like, Brock Lesnar is someone that's going to get inducted into the Hall of Fame at some point in his career, and Jinder Mahal's not even fucking close to being on that level. Um, and unless this match is no DQ, it's like I don't see any way that you could sell, like, Brock Lesnar not just demolishing the Bollywood boys the first time they try to get involved. So I'm assuming that Brock Lesnar is just going to demolish Jinder Mahal and demolish the Bollywood boys, or they're going to it's going to be a DQ and then he's going to demolish them. I I don't see that match going any other way. Um, Because if you, you can't make Brock, you can't make Brock look weak because he's going to be whoever you're building up for mania. If it's Roman or if it's Braun or if it's, you know, whatever other big monster top guy that you're going to put the face of the company on, it's... You can't have Brock lose to gender, like, ever. (laughs) So, um, I liked Paul's promo. I thought, it, you know, it's Paul Heyman being Paul Heyman, so I'm pretty much always going to like it.
0: Yeah, Paul Heyman is such a badass. All right, uh, we got two more matches, and then the invasion happened. So, before we get to the invasion, let's go over to the other two matches. We got a triple threat match. Alicia Fox defeated Bailey and Sasha uh, to become the captain for the women's Survivor Series match at Survivor Series. Fox pinned Bailey to win the match. Um, and uh, yeah, it wasn't really anything too special. It was a match with all three of them, and all of them are good athletes. Um, nothing very memorable that I can remember. But it's very hilarious that Alicia Fox's crazy ass, now the it's 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 an added element. I'll give it that. It's an added element that she's in charge of the group. Um just based on the fact that how kooky she is. And I like I keep on saying I like Alicia Fox's gimmick and her kind of embracing that crazy uh, thing. The last match that we had was Grand Metalik, Mustafa Ali, Rich Swan, and Kalisto defeated Enzo Moore, Drew Gulak, Noam Amdar. Uh Area and Tony nice Aliso Penn Amor with the Salida del Sol and will challenge for the Cruiserweight Championship on two oh five live. How did you like those last two matches, Chris?
1: You know, I liked uh I liked the um the Sasha Banks Bailey Alicia Fox match. I thought it was pretty pretty good. Um Fox is doing a good job at selling this character. They need to give her some more stuff to do in the back to kind of build it up a little bit. And to be completely honest, earlier I for, i almost—I completely forgot that Bailey's already matched. We talked about this earlier. Uh, I must have—that must have just slipped my mind altogether. So I'm glad that she's <laughs> she's back. Apparently, I'm just dumb. Uh, I remember watching this match, so it was uh, it's pretty good. I, one thing that like. Alicia Fox does that like absolutely just looks amazing is when she hits the uh, Northern Lights suplex it just always looks so good which is kind of surprising um, but she's kind of stepped their game up and I, I've been enjoying it uh, as far as the Lucha match I thought it was it was fun uh, it was kind of it seemed like kind of a send the fans home happy kind of thing um, it was a little well weird I don't know. Uh, the the fan, like, the the actual talking at the beginning with Enzo got a little weird. The fan started at, like, a Packers chant at one point, if I remember right. Uh, but the match itself was pretty good. And uh, as far as the run-in stuff, it was... I never understand why SmackDown would be attacking Raw, because they don't build up any tension between them. Uh So it's just the same thing they do every year. Uh, So I wasn't super hyped on that. I don't know how you felt about it, but I I wasn't super stoked on it.
0: Well, to go into detail about the invasion angle, uh, Raw ended with Shane McMahon and SmackDown roster invading Raw. When Kurt Angle was about to tell everyone who was going to be, you know, the competitors in the Survivor Series match, Shane and the SmackDown roster came to the crowd after the entire roster had beaten up, you know, everyone you could think of that was back there. Well, everyone besides, you know, a good majority of the bigger guys, uh, including Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns and Samoa Joe. Uh, I don't even know if Finn Balor was included in all that carnage, but a majority of them, the ones that were were around, like Tyus O'Neill, bam, they came up and smacked them. Some of it didn't really make sense storyline-wise because you had the women – uh, all four of them lose to the other women, no problem. Uh, kind of strange, since, you know, four on four should be even. But I get what they were trying to go for. Of course, Shane McMahon was full into the whole entire invasion thing, since we all remember Shane's invasion with WCW and ECW against Raw back into the 2000s. So a nice little throwback to that. Um, I thought the segments were cool. I just did not think that I know that we're supposed to believe, like I said earlier, that, we're, that we've got a mob mentality type of concept, and it's, it's, it's supremacy of who's best between the two brands, but why the hell would some of them attack each other when they're friends? AJ Styles was just helping out The Shield not too long before that. Here, he's helping beat the crap out of him and shove Kurt Angle's face in it like a sad puppy. By the way, we all know since last night that Kurt Angle is a badass. We remembered about that. He was pushed around like a little nothing the whole entire time. And, man, Chris Jericho's right. He looks like a giant thumb. But anyways, <laughs> ah, it, was, uh, it was interesting. Like I said, I, I can appreciate the cinematics and the concept and trying to make it uh, very strong. But at the same time, I thought some of it was very unnecessary just based on the fact that Becky Lynch is not going to attack Sasha and Bailey just for SmackDown's sake. Um, so I don't know. Um, very heelish from Mr. Shane McMahon. I wonder if that's going to be the case, or once we get on SmackDown tonight, uh, actually, that's, that happened 30 minutes ago, so some of you guys probably already know about it, um, if it's going to be the same type of thing, or is now Raw is going to be in big SmackDown, which is probably what can happen. Uh, either way, whatever. If they want to make... Like I said, if they want to make Survivor Series now, Raw vs. SmackDown, if we're going to have these brands split, and that's what they are. No title on the line or anything like that. It's who's the best brand-wise. Hey, it's fun. You guys are imitating the whole entire Monday Night Wars. Keep on doing your little thing, and, uh, you know, hopefully every year it's it's entertaining. But just uh, let Shane McMahon know that since we like seeing, you know, a lot of the uh, performers on the show – Perform that he doesn't have to do it every single time, especially after jumping off a fucking hell in the cell a couple weeks ago. But I digress. Um. Anyways, uh, I'm about to move on. Did you have any uh, final statements about that, Chris?
1: No, I mean I think you pretty much hit it. I you I feel I just if they built up more brand tension throughout the year, it would mean more. But it just seems like they just completely, they start into this almost, I, I almost like an off season or something where they're just like, yeah, well, Survivor Series, so everybody's got to fight each other, and, and there's no reason. I mean, they don't really build the storyline around it, so it's just like you said, it's just like two people, like two groups of people, just beating the shit out of each other for no reason, which is kind of dumb. Uh, but other than that, yeah, I don't have much to say about it. I will say that I just saw on WWE's Facebook. For those who might be listening and not watching, uh, uh, Sami Zayn came out and kind of promo saying that uh, Shane McMahon needed uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn to be part of the SummerSlam or Survivor Series team, I should say, not SummerSlam. So it'll be interesting to see where they go with that the rest of the night. So I'll, I'll be checking that out after the after the show.
0: Nice, nice. I agree with you. I will also be checking that out right after the show. It's weird. We're like competing uh, with SmackDown right now uh, for viewers. So we are now doing the, the Tuesday Night Wars. Um, that was really <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. All right, uh, let, we have two more topics and a little bit of conversation if we have enough time for it. Uh, one thing that we should, be, we should talk about with the people uh, kind of explain what's going on because there's a lot of stuff that's said on, on, on Facebook, obviously. And not people are well informed about who exactly is out due to what I've had to re-explain several times. So I thought me and you could have like a little bit of conversation on the details. I'll give a, a very easy outline and then Chris can talk a little bit about it. And then I will, you know, counter that whole entire thing. So we know that Nia Jax is out because apparently she is exhausted. Um, from what, from what Dave Metzler was saying, and, you know, that's a big deal. Um, she's apparently exhausted that a lot of those rumors that she might be associated with the same reason why Neville's having problems is not true. That she just asked for some time off because she was just completely blown out from being on the road nonstop. So, eh, that could be the case. Or she could be having problems and they're playing politics. I don't know. Neville. Neville is apparently trying to get out of his contract. As we speak, he is not happy with WWE. He wants to get out, and apparently they're kind of treating him like Daniel Bryan in a way where he will have to at least be on their contract as long as he's a part of that uh, before he can progress and do other wrestling, so it might force him to come back to compete. What sucks for Neville is that apparently he does not want to be part of the Cruiserweight division or at least be just put in that division. He wants to have more, so he's having some issues there because they just want him to to remain cruiserweight, and he doesn't like jobbing to Enzo. Samoa Joe uh, is still recovering from his injury, but apparently they're trying to find a place for him to come back. And most of the other people that you have been wondering what was wrong with them, uh, you already heard. Ray Wyatt, Bo Dallas, Roman Reigns, all out with meningitis. Uh, or, or the mumps. We don't know. We have not, like I said, been confirmed what it is. We've heard reports from both and uh, could be out for several weeks. We have no idea if that has, if that's slowly creeping on any of the other roster members. I really hope not, obviously, on Rob, raw, because I don't want to see any of them happen to take time off like that. Uh, Chris, am I forgetting anyone, and how do you feel about all these situations?
1: Well, the three that I'm aware of, that are out with meningitis, I think that you covered were Bray Wyatt, Odalis, and Roman Reigns. Um, And and like you said, the biggest deal is, is that going to creep anywhere? I think the one, uh, the one thing that they have going for them that like the NHL doesn't have is they're not in the same locker rooms each night. Uh, So hopefully no one else will catch it. Uh, It does spread pretty easily. So uh, that, that kind of, it's kind of sucks. You know, three people, big names, got that. Uh, the Nia Jax thing, if she really is just exhausted, uh, they gave her time off for that. I'm not buying it. I know that's what she's saying, but I, it, to me it seems like where there's smoke, there's fire. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people on that roster are exhausted, AJ Styles being one of them. And uh, I think that, that it, it's not a viable excuse to just, like, walk out um, of a Raw or something. And, and Vince McMahon will take that, you know, and do whatever he wants to do with it. But I, to me, it sounds like uh, there's more there than that. Uh, the Neville thing is about money from everything that I've heard. It seems like he's pretty pissed about uh, not getting credited with some of those pre-matches similar to Austin Aries, as well as not being happy about uh, the current, where they're what they're wanting to do with him um, by leaving him on the Cruiserweight division and the people that they're going to have him going against. Uh, Let's see. Is anyone else? I think I I hit everybody. (laughs) Uh, Except for Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe was legitimately injured.
0: So So basically, people, all all these people have not left the WWE. This is not like Impact, um, where they're having massive problems with people leaving. Unfortunately, we're having Neville... Uh, having similar situations that Austin Aries did, and Nia Jax actually might be on sleep on that way out, and there might be several wrestlers that are not happy with their current situation. Um, I think a lot of this type of assumption for, for people like leaving, might actually stem to, uh, I think it was Cody Rhodes who admitted that there are people, which is kind of, honestly, kind of Bush League of Cody, but whatever, uh, admitting that people on WWF roster, there's some of them have contacted him about how much money he makes basically just doing indies. Um, do you think there is actually a sufficient amount of people, Chris? And do you think that Cody probably should have uh, displayed that information, or is this tip for tap because of all the other bullshit with uh, the the too sweet and uh, suck it and all that type of stuff? You know,
1: it's from a business standpoint if you look at it as a job just any job you're always looking to see you know what other people in your field are making so it could have been just something as innocent as someone being like yeah like what are you making over there and then Cody made a remark about it because of all the bullet club stuff but we've kind of known for a while that Dolph Ziggler has been unhappy um as well as a couple of other guys now what I will say is I hope that they're not looking at Cody Rhodes and thinking that they're going to be able to just go the same route and do the same exact thing. Cody Rhodes uh, name value alone by having the last name Rhodes will get him in more doors than say like a Neville. Neville can probably do really good in the UK and maybe have some new Japan stuff, but I don't think that when we're talking about Cody Rhodes, I think you're more looking at someone like Ziggler or Daniel Bryan kind of asking around. Those kind of questions, Um, but once again, it's all kind of assumptions, right? uh... Yeah, and I mean, no one's came out and said like, "Hey, it was specifically this guy." So I don't feel like that Cody Rhodes was trying to be an asshole. Uh, There's definitely some bitterness there with him and uh, WWE in general. I mean, they won't let him use his last name, for instance. Uh, They kind of booked him really shitty towards the end of his uh, stint there, and then they just stopped booking him all together because he told them he wanted to leave. So, And then you have the whole Bullet Club thing going on, which I'm sure he's looks at that as, hey, you guys are now trying to take money out of my pocket. I'm not even there. Um, even though he's not, you know, one of the main people in the elite, he is still part, you know, that still does affect him uh, in a way, not in the same way as, uh, say, like, the young bucks or whatever, who kind of just took it and made a positive spin out of it and made a, just a whole nother gimmick around it because those guys are uh, phenomenal in that way. But, uh, I don't know, man, that's a weird scenario, uh, with the Cody Rhodes coming out on Twitter and saying that I don't necessarily think that was the, uh, the place to do it. But like I said, there's a lot of, I think hurt feelings and kind of some bitterness there, you know? So it's understandable. Um, And then it's also understandable that even, you know, even if these people aren't planning on leaving, wanting to know what's on the other side of the fence is never a bad thing in any career. Like if you know, you can make a lateral movement and make more money somewhere, then it's never going to hurt to ask. So this is one of those wrestling things. It's like, it, it could be a billion different things. I wouldn't buy too much into any of it. Um, the Neville thing has been confirmed by multiple people and, uh, it, that's pretty much a fact like he walked out he's not happy about his money and uh kind of what they wanted him to do so that's the only thing that you can really confirm other than the meningitis stuff and uh Samoa Joe is uh hurt but he is coming back so things we can we can say you know are complete fact the rest of it is just rumors and I I wouldn't put too much into or try not to put too much into, maybe, like, if you're a big Dolph Ziggler fan, don't think that he's just going to automatically jump ship and go to New Japan because the, the grass isn't always greener on the
0: other side. So it's just
1: one of those things. I think it mind. would be for
0: him. I think it uh, would be possibly. I really do. I really do. Possibly, I think that they though. would – I think that Hibitana would, would would have some fucking ridiculous matches. Um, and they're both around the same age, actually. They both can move their ass off. I don't know, uh, but I, I agree with you. I think the funniest thing is that uh, recently Cody Cody was invited to attend Starrcade in North Carolina by the WWE, kind of a dick move. I don't know. Maybe it was trying to be nice, whatever, to come to it because it's the uh, anniversary is when they're doing it and they're having it in, um, in North Carolina and everything. There's going to be a lot of different people out there associated with it. Apparently it's a house show, which is really dumb. I wish they would at least put it on the freaking network. I don't know why they're doing it like that, but whatever. Old school. So Cody recently uh, invited all the McMahons, personally invited them with letters to come to the next Ring of Honor uh, performance, like the next big pay-per-view they're having. He made a big deal of it on Twitter. So at least he's having fun, you know? Uh, More Twitter bullshit. Uh, Our last topic of today, are we having the King of Calgary match sometime soon, between Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho. Alright guys, you know what I'm talking about? So there were a set of words, a uh, set line, Originally, and I think on WWE's whole entire thing, someone cited that Kenny Omega was the best in the world. A moniker that many people know for Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho is known as a million different things, but he also calls himself best in the world, the GOAT, etc, etc. So Chris Jericho's response to this random person that tweeted said, Best in the world at Kenny Omega isn't even best in Winnipeg. Hashtag overrated. Uh, and that was preceded by Kenny Omega responding to it, saying, Well, geez, what can I say? Never meet your heroes, folks. Lest they, uh, lest they become a corporate stooge. Chris Jericho went back and forth corporate stooge, or six-time world champion who's main-evented in the big leagues for 17 years? Watch your mouth, kid, to Kenny Omega. Uh, And for some reason, uh, Kenny Omega loved his comment, and Chris Jericho fought back with, Save your love, you dumb idiot. I only work in the big leagues, and I don't care what the indie fans think. All right, Chris (laughs) Before I go into more details, um, people are freaking out at either guy like "Screw you for Chris Jericho's sake or screw you." How do you feel about all this and isn't this a giant work basically
1: okay so let me let me preface this with Chris Jericho will always play a heel if you give him the opportunity to.
0: Um,
1: If you want a prime example, look up Chris Jericho rips Bret Hart cancer poster. When Bret Hart had cancer, there was a guy in the front row that had a poster that said, get well soon, Bret, and he ripped it in half. So when he does stuff like this, it's not necessarily because he's like really means it. It's because he's playing a character. So to me, this is just Chris Jericho playing a character, playing an angle, playing, Kenny Omega has been on his podcast a couple of times. They seem like they have a pretty decent relationship. So I wouldn't read more into it other than it's just wrestling. And this is setting up something in the future, which could be really exciting. What that is, I don't know. And I think Dane's going to get more into that, but that's, that's what I would start with. And then Kenny Omega is kind of the same way. um, As far as Twitter goes, he's going to play off, you know, whatever Chris Jericho is giving him. So, I don't know that's that's kind of how I read it and saw it and and none of it seemed like it's super hurtful or mean it was more just banter between the two of them Um, and and also keep in mind that Chris Jericho's character is you know great the goat the greatest of all time best in the world what he does so just uh, that's something to just keep in mind if you're uh, worried about this at all I, I don't think that they actually hate each other or anything guys.
0: Not only will I say that I don't think they hate each other, but I think that they're friends and they definitely respect each other. Okay, the reason why uh, there's a couple things. The Reason why I say this is because, like what Chris was saying, they've been. Kenny has been on Chris's uh, Chris Jericho's podcast by himself. He's also been on a Chris Jericho's special podcast that did in, in uh, Winnipeg with Don Callis, aka the Jackal, um, where the three of them just talked about Winnipeg wrestling. Kenny has cited Chris Jericho as one of his biggest influences, Um, even in the whole entire thing. He said, don't meet your heroes. And Chris Jericho, two weeks ago, not even maybe, maybe this is last week's uh, JR show, two weeks ago on JR, said to JR, give me a city in the world that has hosted three of the best in their generations as much as Winnipeg with me, Roddy Roddy Piper, and Kenny Omega. He says, I doubt you can find one city, and if you do, we'd bring a good fight to them. He was serious about it, and and is and like, well, yeah, you know, if, if you're not saying Manitoba, or I think that's where Winnipeg is, it's Manitoba. If you're not saying the Providence, basically, um, city-wise, which one has three people? That, no, I'm sure you can go to Tokyo, but we'll just, we'll humor Y2J. Uh, Y2J also made a shot at the Indies, which people freaked out about. Y2J is hosting a cruise line that's happening next September in which he's going to have Ring of Honor do a tournament on the cruise line along with Fozzie, a couple other metal bands. JR's going to be there. Raven's going to be there. Everyone's going to be getting drunk. Me and Chris probably won't be there, but we'd really like to be there because it would be fucking cool. So what... Dave Metzler, Brian Alvarez, a lot of people have been equating and getting information, uh, information. I think it was Pro Wrestling Inc. said that there were there was a rumor going around that New Japan was trying to get an outside source to fight Kenny Omega at Wrestle Kingdom. And there was also some other reports, not 100% confirmed, very much rumored from Pro Wrestling Inc., saying that that person was Chris Jericho. Also... Not having to do with that as much, there have been lots of reports. I think Dave Metzler and Brian Alvarez were, were talking about this mainly. Is that this is probably going to lead to the cruise line next September and would feature, you know, along with the Ring of Honor anniversary or uh, tournament event, a match with Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega, which would be awesome. Now, of course, I'd rather at Wrestle Kingdom because they probably won't you know, directly record and televise that whole entire thing on the cruise. But still, the fact that these two guys might tingle up in the ring is pretty awesome. I just don't think, Chris, that these guys have a problem with each other. I think this is all for show. They both are smart, especially Chris Jericho in the sense that they know that social media is a good way to amplify situations like this, you know, without having to use, you know, promos or anything like that. So I think we're going to know more and more about this. And really, if this is all work, I hope they kind of keep on playing into it and really make it, if they already have a match set in stone, Chris, I kind of hope that they make this play up the whole entire time, leading to either if they were to go against Russell's Kingdom or something that has nothing to do with that, or at the Ring of Honor event on Chris Jericho's um, cruise line next uh, September. Uh, but, yeah, I think this is all fake. It's crazy, people. It happens at wrestling. So don't worry about it. I'm pretty sure these guys really like each other. But, uh, Chris, before I kind of start moving on to our closing uh, segment, do you have any other thoughts for this?
1: No, I mean, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. And and like I said, this is them messing with each other. Um, Whether it's going to set something up down the line, it'll just be whatever's in the cards for Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho is still under contract with WWE, so I don't think it'll be anything recent, but October of next year, he should be out of contract, I would think, and then would have time to actually, uh, do something cool like a cruise line with him and Kenny Omega, where they, you know, film it for ring of honor and put it out on a DVD or do a pay-per-view type deal or something neat like that. Uh, I would also say Jericho has really the re I think the reason he stuck around as long as he did on his last run in WWE is he just really enjoys working with, uh, wrestlers like Sami Zayn and, and Kevin Owens who are from Canada. So I, I think that had a lot of lot to do with, uh, you know, how long he he's been. He's done a lot of uh, pride in,
0: in Canada and Winnipeg.
1: Yeah, so I would just, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't read too much into it. Don't, like, read too much into the some of these internet articles. Uh, and also, like – you know, you can like Kenny Omega and like Chris Jericho. It's not really about who is the best. Like their body of work is not close to the same at this point. Um, Chris Jericho has been around, you know, way longer, more accolades, et cetera. So I, you know, don't, don't harp on that too much either. Uh, I think they're both phenomenal fucking wrestlers.
0: Incredible. And I agree with uh you know, Jericho's original sentiments. I would like to see, at least if you were just to say North America or North America, South America, these two continents together, if you can get three people out of one city that have had made as much of an impact, been at one of the leading guys within their generation as Roddy Roddy Piper, Chris Jericho, and Kenny Omega, I'd like to see you find one. And that's your uh, that's your homework assignment out there. Not you, Chris. I mean, I, I, mean, I would say –
1: yeah, I was gonna say probably West Texas. But whats you're looking at, Dusty, Dusty Rhodes, Terry Funk. I mean, Winnipeg is not really a city; it's a Providence. So yeah, Winnipeg, it's a little. Winnipeg. Winnipeg is about the size of. I mean, if you're looking at Amarillo specifically, I mean, you have Terry Funk, Dory Funk, and Dusty Rhodes, and uh, Dick Murdoch, and oh, a, and Ram a Ram few Amarillo? other. And a few, yeah, a few other
0: guys.
1: (laughs) Um,
0: Well, I was just thinking, Winnipeg's a city in Manitoba, which is a province, which is basically the same thing as a state. So if you're saying Amarillo in Texas, that's a good fight between the Funks, Dusty Rhodes, versus all three of them. But kind of, I see what Chris Jericho's saying for longevity of having three guys specifically for three different generations of wrestlers. And he even said, "He goes, I consider myself a lot of times to be the piper of my generation as far as my gimmick, and I, I, I see a lot of myself in Kenny uh, with his whole entire concept." So, it's see, basically, last comment about it. I don't think he'd be saying something like that about Kenny if he disliked them. Two weeks later, over Twitter, over absolutely nothing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. It's just silly. It's just silly. All right. Well, uh, we've got a couple minutes. Um,
1: well, I guess he just, means uh, if they were born, I mean, if he just means born from Winnipeg, then maybe, because a lot of those people weren't actually born in Amarillo. But Amarillo would be like the Amarillo when you're looking at like, I, I, I don't know, West Texas in general had a lot of damn good wrestlers. Uh, so I don't That guy gets a little, a little crazy.
0: Well, you know, someone asked a question not too long ago on something I was watching of uh, which country between Canada and Japan do you think has produced more superstars in wrestling? That's actually a pretty hard question. I would say Japan, but if you're looking at an American standpoint, Canada, uh, which, you know, when it comes to the head of the market, I would assume the USA would be over Japan, obviously. So what would you say to that? That, that, that's That's a good ending question. Random, out of nowhere, how do you feel, Chris?
1: Uh, it's a tough one. I mean, I guess it depends on, you know, if you were raised in Japan, you're you're obviously going to say ja- Japan. If you're raised in America, you're probably going to say Canada. But I, it's just, you know, it was really hard. It's really hard to, uh, with us growing up, it was really hard to get Japanese content over here um, other than just yep. tapes, you know, so like, there's a lot more focus on new Japan today than there was, you know, even when we were growing up, it, it was a lot harder to get like all Japan, like great mood, all Japan matches, or, you know, uh, a lot of like the really cool, uh, Vader, early Vader shit. Like a lot of that stuff was harder to get. Like you had to go tape trade and, um, basically know someone or know someone that recorded had a way to get that stuff from overseas. So I, I would say the majority of Americans are going to say Canadians. Cause you have Bret Hart, Owen Hart, uh, you know Chris Jericho, uh Roddy Piper. I mean there's that list is pretty damn big in itself, but it's a weird one looking back at it now with all of the wrestling I consumed. I, I would probably want to say Japan. Um, but it's also really hard because there are some fucking legends from uh <laughs> some of the greatest of all time from Canada.
0: So. Those countries produced really good wrestlers. Um you know, and that's all that matters is that we're into wrestling. And, uh, guys, I think that we're going to start wrapping it up, actually. So it's been a really fun show. We've uh, talked about a bunch of stuff. Sorry about last week. That was actually my bad. Uh, and it's the reason we're doing Tuesdays. Tuesday. See, Chris and Juwan, they, they've helped me out with my schedule so much. But we still bring the show to you when we can. So thank you guys out there for listening. Obviously, check us out on Geek Vibes. Nation over on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We have our Geek Vibes live show on Sunday nights at 8 o'clock. And we have our Geek Vibe TV over on Friday night at 8 o'clock. I would like to thank my co-host, the amazing Christopher A. Patton. Thank you so much for your wonderful conversation, sir. And you have a good evening, sir.
1: Same to you, buddy. Everybody have a great week.
0: All right. Well... As I say goodbye to y'all, remember, have fun. And start liking wrestling just to like wrestling instead of having to be all angry about it. You guys have a good one. Peace out.